Welcome to episode 21 of the Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And I want to just apologize on the get-go. I stayed the last couple of days in a lovely home in um, Quag, New York, but they had two cats. So uh-huh. I'm a little, I'm allergic to cats, so my throat's a little scratchy. I didn't know you are allergic to cats. Oh, yes. I learned something new. Very allergic to cats. Oh. So you could say I'm speaking in a sultry voice, or you could say that I... <laughs> I'm having an allergic moment, but anyway, so hopefully it doesn't uh, sound too scratchy. No, sounds good. Okay, yeah. (laughs) And I had one follow-up, which is I just wanted to remind everyone about our Grapes of Wrath read-along. Yes, which um, Yeah, is an August read-along, but, you know, feel free to start it now, of course. And um, if you're interested in reading along with us and want to um, submit any comments or questions or anything like that, if you could do so by August 17th. We would, yeah, yeah, we would love to hear from you. Yeah, well, because we'll be recording the episode about it on the 18th. Right. So And Chris, or Chris, Kate, one of our listeners, posted something on Facebook with a picture of her copy. Thank yeah. you, Kate. And it really stirred up a lot of, you know, feelings for the Grapes of Wrath. People, it did, yeah. A lot people of people have... commented on that and how much they loved it. And Yeah. You know, even people who read it in high school and then read it again as an adult talked about how yeah. much they loved it. Yeah. And, and then also just Steinbeck in general. There was a lot of Steinbeck, you know, love. Mm-hmm. So so we're hoping that, you, that some of our listeners are interested in reading along with us with Absolutely. that. And I'm really excited to dig into it. Yeah, I am as well. You can contact us on Twitter. You can email us at bookcougars at gmail.com, Facebook, however you want to reach out and leave questions or comment on things. Just, I don't know, should we, it's pointless to say to avoid spoilers because it is a classic. Yeah, no, do I think? don't think we yeah. should worry about that. Yeah, okay. Spoilers are welcome. I think there is a, what do you call it, like an expiration date on spoilers maybe? Right, because it's really been sure. around so long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's so, a little different anyway, to be yeah. spoilers on arcs or something like that. Right. Yeah. 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 And I realize I have two copies of The Grapes of Wrath. I have a paperback copy and mm. then this old hardcover copy with the spine partially ripped off. Oh, wow. So I have to decide mm. which one I'm going to dig into. It'd be interesting to compare them and just see, like, is one a lot, you know, bigger print and things mm-hmm. like that. That matters to me now. It does, know? yeah. It matters to me as well. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> when I pick up, like, a little mass market, I'm just like, wow. Yeah. Or even a little, you know, quality paperback or trade, whatever they call them. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth the stress yeah. on I mean, so many levels. That's when the e-reader comes in handy. And And I have yeah. to say, when I worked at the bookstore and we first started, we carried the Kobo and mm-hmm. orders. And people coming in were buying them for aunts and moms, dads who had vision challenges. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've said that before, but... You know, that I was kind of like against the e-reader initially because I thought it was going to harm book culture and everything but um that made me see see them in a different light yeah and the same with audio audio Mm -hmm. is the same thing you know I've always worried about what would I do if something happened to my vision because reading is so imperative to my enjoyment of life yeah you know and now with audiobooks I feel like I would do okay yeah but we're not challenging you (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) yes please uh not that I'm wanting to experiment with that too much. Yeah, exactly. Well, I had a follow-up, too. I just wanted to mention, um, I talked last episode about the book Tokens of Affection, the letters of a planter's daughter in the Old South, and those are the letter, letters of Maria Bryan, who uh, lived in the early 1800s. She was in New Haven, and I mentioned how she did not like New Haven on her uh, visits. She was there in, like, the 1830s 
But she did visit other towns in Connecticut, and I wanted to just point that out, that she enjoyed them very much. Um, She visited Milford, Derby, and Norwalk. And actually said of Norwalk that, you know, it's just such a beautiful place and blah, blah, Mm. blah. But her her ancestors were the part of the original settlers of Milford, Connecticut. Mm. Which is beautiful. Which is a a beautiful town. Um, That's where my my aunt lived there. That was my first introduction to Connecticut was Mm. Milford. So her, Maria's dad was the one who left Connecticut for Georgia. And, okay. and uh, you know, the family stayed there for the longest time. So, anyway, I just wanted to point out that Connecticut, she wasn't totally just down on Connecticut. It was just New Haven. And, again, I think a lot of it had to do with her circumstances. Yeah. So, yeah. Which, you know, you know Affects how that everything. is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked about that just in terms of when you read a book. Mm-hmm. What's going on in your life can really impact how you feel about a book. Right. Right. Yeah. And how you review it and how, like, even this, the one to five star ratings that we've talked about that, like mm-hmm. sometimes every, I give everything fives and I'm like, hmm, <laughs> is that the books, my life, exactly. how I'm looking at ratings now, yeah. you know, it's very yeah. funny. Every now and then I've had the, the urge to go back and like redo my yes, <laughs> ratings on Goodreads and just was like, oh my God, let it go. <laughs> so... Shall we talk about what we've just read? Sure. I finished Stay With Me by Ayabami Adebayeo, which was one of the books that Anne Kingman had recommended when she was here with us. And um, I got it as an ARC. I apologize. I can't remember when it's released. I want to say it's in September, but I'll put that in the show notes. I struggled with this book because of names. Mm. I have a very difficult time with names in my real life and in my reading life. Um, if people were named by numbers, I would do just fine. Like, hello, 33. I would never forget that you're yeah. number 33. But and names... now Emily's a number person. Don't forget yes. people. That's, that's her, her day job is numbers. And it's a really, it's really a thing. I mean, I have never in my life been good with names. I struggle. And um, so when there are names that are not recognizable, that makes it even more difficult for me with a read. And mm-hmm. people have said to me, like, just say, you know, if her name's Nancy, just say N or just say whatever. You know, it doesn't work. I can't explain it. And yeah. if, if there are like 20 characters introduced in the first chapter of a book, I feel like I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. Yeah. I just don't do well with that. Wow. So like Russian literature is not your thing. <laughs> because in those books, like they have one character could have three different names. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, I never told you the story of reading Anna Karenina with my book group. Where I was listening to it on audio, and so I thought these were all different characters, and I get to my first, we were reading it in sections, and Mm -hmm. I get to my first, you know, meeting of book group, and people start talking about the names, and then I'm like, wait, those aren't all different people? (laughs) I'm totally fucked. I was like, I have to go back. And and I was enjoying listening to it, but I was like, I guess I have to read it. And and my theory with Anna Karenina, too, is it would be about 500 pages shorter if the names were like Jim and Bob, you know? Anyway, that's a whole other aside. So, so Stay With Me is takes place in Nigeria, so there are very heavy, heavy African names, which was tricky for me. And it was the way that the chapters were um, denoted, it was kind of hard for me to tell who was which character. Okay. And I don't know if that's because I was reading an arc and that the you know official copy will look different than that. That'll be interesting to look at. Yeah. But I did, finally, I just kind of like, just give it up and mm-hmm. just try to just enjoy the story. And it is a story about um, infertility and 
in a culture where multiple wives can be taken. And um, so it's very tricky in that way. And there are some parts of it that are quite painful to read, you know, Mm -hmm. just um, with hardship, with, you know, people struggling with infertility. But this book takes a twist. And I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. But I will say that there are assumptions a lot about where the infertility lies in a relationship. And that's all I'm going to say. All right. So, I want to um, read that one. Yeah, and Kingman <laughs> has talked about it already, and so I'm not going to talk about it more than that. But I did really enjoy it. Stay With Me by Ayobami Adebayo, I think is how you pronounce her name. Well, I recently read Sherlock Holmes versus Dracula by Lauren D. Estelman. That is, a, I guess you could say, a cult classic. It came out originally in 1978. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really well thought out book in terms of how it mashed the the characters together it's it's uh about sherlock holmes okay back up dracula it starts with the ship crashing into the harbor and would be fans of dracula will know that scene very well a reporter comes to sherlock holmes and asks for help investigating what's going on the ship crashes into the harbor the dead captain is lashed to the wheel with a rosary in his hands. Mm. There's no one on board. No bodies anywhere. But this big black dog had jumped off the ship and went running off into the hills. So it starts from there. Um, And I thought uh, Esselman did a great job of respecting both Sherlock Holmes and Dracula in both of their universes, so to say. And I won't say much more about that other than it's a really fun read if you're a fan of uh, Sherlock Holmes or Dracula or both. So I have, a, I have a question about, because I'm totally, you know, I've never read either. Um, I can't believe is, we're friends. I know. No. <laughs> That's why we're friends. Because we have such different reading tastes. <laughs> it works so well. <laughs> it can't possibly true. read everything. Yeah. So now I get to live vicariously through you. Totally. And vice versa. Right. Absolutely. So is this what you would consider to be, like now they have what they call fan fiction, right? Mm-hmm. So people will take characters and kind of run with them and mm-hmm. write, you know, they're, they're sad that Harry Potter's series is over, so they're going to, you know, write some things. Would this totally. be considered fan fiction or is that not? You know, I think, I think it's in the spirit of fan fiction. Okay. I think a lot of, when people say fan fiction, they're talking about unpublished stuff online, you know, okay. where, where fans truly, you know, sit down and write something on their blog or on a, you know, they used to do it on, uh, what do you call those chat sites mm-hmm. back in the yeah, day? Chat rooms. Chat yeah. rooms. Yeah. Um, so I think that is more the term of fan fiction. I okay. think this is, as I said, in the spirit of fan fiction. Okay. Totally. I mean, totally, because it's an homage to right. Sherlock Holmes and Dracula. And and it tries to stay true to the universe of each book, which okay. is something that I think good, and I'm using air quotes, good fan mm-hmm. fiction does. Okay. It doesn't, you know, all of a sudden throw in all these other elements. I, I I suppose some fan fiction could do a good job of that, maybe, that some character who can suddenly fly, you know, if they right. incorporate that into the story, it might right. be interesting. Hmm. But it, it was a really good read. I enjoyed Sounds it. Fun. I did a yeah. giveaway for it on my blog, which is closed yeah. already. Um, but, yeah, it's a good book. And what was funny was I had the book on my shelf for the longest time. I bought it a couple of years ago, and the title was, the I think, The Further Adventures of Sherlock Holmes versus Dracula. And so when I put took it off my shelf, I thought, 
Oh, The Further Adventures. So I did a quick Google search and I found, and that book was, I think, from 2012 or something. Okay. So when I looked at the internet and saw the original published date was 1978 and it was just Sherlock Holmes versus Dracula, I thought, well, that it must be the first one. So I ordered that. And got the cool little mass market cover yeah. with the funky image and stuff that I talked about in the last episode. Only to find, after I finished that and picked up the second book, that it was the exact same book. It was oh. just, it, the, the original copyright must have ran out. Um. And this, The Further Adventures, is actually part of a series um. that was done. Okay. So, But it's not a series with Sherlock Holmes and Dracula. It's just a Further Adventures right. of Sherlock Holmes kind of thing. Um. Where people take him... And, you know, re- make new stories. So now so. you had two copies. So now I had two copies, so yeah. that's why I did the yeah, giveaway. Yeah, that's great. So, and I'm going to send the other copy to a friend, too, oh, who's, nice. who's into both characters. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I read The Going and Goodbye, a memoir by Shuli mm-hmm. Kaywood. And I'm actually not going to talk about it because yeah. we're going to have Shuli on um, as an author spotlight after this episode airs, I think it'll be around August 1st. So episode 22 will be an author spotlight with Julie. Awesome. So I'm not going to spoil it, but I will say the book is now available. So feel free to go buy it and read it and then listen to our interview with Julie um, coming up. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, The other book I just finished is a thriller. It's a Cold War thriller called Stasi Child Mm. by David Young. And he's a British writer and this is his first book. It came out, I think, two years ago in the UK, and it was wildly successful. It has a bunch of four and five star reviews on the mm. internet, but it's published here in the United States August 2nd, I believe, next Tuesday. Um, so I, I read a advanced copy and really enjoyed it. It He does such a great job of creating the atmosphere of... It's, it's set in East Germany, set in Berlin. And unlike other Cold War thrillers where it's international espionage or you know fear of nuclear destruction this one is focused on a murder investigation in east berlin Mm -hmm. and east germany itself so all the characters are east germans the main character is a woman um karen Mueller is her name and she's the highest ranking woman in the in the people's police force and she's tapped Mm -hmm. to lead this investigation into a murder of a young girl who's found who they don't know who she is. So she's instructed to only find the identity of this girl, not to look for the killers. So something's mm. up. Um, but David Young, he, I thought he did a great job of creating that atmosphere of the, the almost like claustrophobic paranoia of, you know, the communist states mm. and what it did to people and what it did to the society at large, but individuals themselves. It, it has a, a standard thing in thrillers and mysteries is, you know, if the, the investigator's professional life is going well, their home life is going, you know, down the shitter. Mm-hmm. And that's the case with her. Mm-hmm. Um, Karen and her husband are having struggles. And and it's a really good read. It's one of those books that's hard to talk about, even saying like kind of like one thing about it, because it could be a huge spoiler. Oh, yeah. Because it's one of those books that kind of unravels. And since it is taking place in, in communist Germany, where there's so much backstabbing and fear and paranoia, like, you know, you're not really sure what's going on, why. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the things that happen in the book, I totally did not see coming. I love that. Yeah. And at the yeah. end, it, it's like one of those punches to the gut where you're just like, oh, 
Mm. You know, but then you think these were real people. I mean, these are, it's not based on a true mm. story, but like this is what people lived with in that culture and, mm. you know, continue to live with mm-hmm. in parts around the world um, and places around the world. So anyway, it was a good read. I enjoyed it. I have to say this is, this is probably just my own ineptitude, but I would, it would surprise that during the Cold War there would be a female like head investigator like that well that's one of the things in the book is karen is very into um her government you know Mm. she believes in their in the communist idea of an equal society where men and women are equal Mm. and one of the things she says is that this you know her life wouldn't be possible in the west that Mm. women don't get to positions Mm -hmm. as not necessarily as easily but that in her society it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. And again, I say that, but like that is a kind of one of those big threads that goes throughout okay. the whole book okay. is the issue of this gender equality that she believes in and what she believes about her government and society. There are hairline fractures that happen. Okay, so we, yeah. should, we should probably stop and not spoil anything. Right, that's yeah. Interesting. Yeah, okay. so anyway, if you're into Cold War fiction, check it out. And he has a second book. This was Stasi Child by David Young, and then his second book is Stasi Wolf. The next one I read was actually an audio that I listened to on my way back from New Jersey last week. It was a rainy night, and I wanted something that would really grab my attention. So I listened to Talking As Fast As I Can, From Gilmore Girls to Gilmore Girls and Everything In Between by Lauren Graham. And um, she narrated it, so it was really wow. fun. And she's a fast talker. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> you didn't have to put it I on did not. high speed, did you? I was laughing because <laughs> anyone who's a Gilmore Girl fan knows that part of the draw of Gilmore Girls, or I shouldn't say draw, like the appeal, the, the or... appeal or the ethos is that even the right word? Is that the two that Rory and um, why can't I think Lorelai spoke really quickly. Yeah. They delivered their dialogue very quickly. Actually, the whole cast did, mm-hmm. really. So um, the book is very much about the, um, there were seven seasons of Gilmore Girls, and then this large break that we all thought it was over, including Lauren Graham, yeah. who played the lead Lorelai in the series. And then they had this, um, last Thanksgiving, they had a special four-part series that came out. They were four one-hour segments, and she was surprised that this happened, and it was through Netflix. And so the memoir is talking about the original Gilmore Girls series, where she literally went back and watched each of the series and then talked about it in the memoir. Oh, wow. And then talked about the making of the new series, and then just talked a little bit, you know, threaded some funny things through with her family and... And one of the things that was funny in the audio is she there's a point where she's talking about her dad and her childhood, and then she calls her dad on the phone, <laughs> and they talk, you know, which is hilarious That's and awesome. obviously wasn't in the book, you know. Yeah. So I really enjoyed it. I mean, it made the drive just go by in a heartbeat, mm-hmm. which was nice, and um, and it was fun to revisit because I, too, loved the Gilmore Girls, yeah. and she did. I mean, you can tell that for her it was a really special experience and a character that she never thought she'd get to play again, mm-hmm. you know. And then there, even the way, I don't want to spoil it, but the way that the bonus series ended is, was a little bit ambiguous, you know, mm-hmm. so who knows, there could even be more in the future, yeah, you know. I hope so. Yeah. I love that show. And she also wrote um, 
a novel, which I didn't really? know. I had so, no idea. I know, and I, I, can't, I didn't write down the name of it. But um, so I, and, and I think it's being produced by Ellen into a series or something like that. How cool is that? So I wanted to look that up because I think she's a good writer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was, you know, she's irreverent and all of that. So, <laughs> um, so again, it was called Talking As Fast As I Can From Gilmore Girls to Gilmore Girls and Everything In Between by Lauren Graham. I've uh, started watching October Ro- Road. No, October Road. It was a series. It was only on for like, I think, two or three years. And Laura had watched it back in the day. And she was talking with a friend recently about it. So she's like, you might like that. So we've started watching it. And one of the characters in there is played by the actor whose name I don't know, uh, who played Kurt oh. in Gilmore Girls. I'm like, oh, my God. So, you know, it's like gives me a warm, fuzzy yeah. feeling just to yeah. see him because... He was such a quirky character on that show. Yeah. And he really developed into this character. Because initially in some of those first episodes, he would show up as like a random delivery guy. Yeah. Or this or that. And then all of a sudden, you know, not all of a sudden, but gradually he became a regular fixture yeah. on the show. So. Yeah. Oh, fun. I'll have to look that up. Cool. I have one more. Okay. Um, the next one I read was called Who Killed Pete Burrell? And this is by Richard Mason. I picked this up when we, you and I did a little library work day a couple of weeks ago. And it's so dangerous to go into the library for me. You know, you walk past the new book section and Chris kind of raised an eyebrow as I picked this book up, you know, and I was like, I'm just going to take it home. I wasn't judging. <laughs> I never judge about books. But it's just like, I nothing makes me happier than just to stroll the library and pick a book out mm-hmm. off the shelves. But on the other hand, you know, like most of us heavy readers, I have piles. Literally, the other day I had someone over and I had to move piles onto the floor, which I've never done before. <laughs> so, you know, anyway, I still took this book home. Um, For those of you who might be familiar with Booktopia, Richard Mason was a Booktopian author back in the day. I believe he was out of Vermont, Booktopia. Mm. He is an incredibly handsome man. (laughs) He's also very talented. (laughs) Um, So people went very gaga for him. He's fun to follow on Facebook because he takes these wild videos where he's like, you know, doing kind of selfie videos and walking through the streets of New York and stuff oh, cool. and on this book tour. Um, and his the book he wrote before this that he was at Booktopia with was called History of a Pleasure Seeker. Full disclosure, it is a very hot book. There's lots of sex in it. Um, and this book, Who Killed Pete Burrell, Pete Burrell is actually the main character in History of a Pleasure Seeker, mm. which I didn't realize. So it was kind of fun to pick it up and you know, be revisiting this character, but he's now matured and moved on and it takes place in South Africa. Going back to names that I talked about with Stay With, the book Stay With Me, this has a bunch of very unusual African names, but at the very beginning of the book, he has a list of all the names and pronunciations for them, which really helped me. And I found myself really flipping back to it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why that's important when you read. It's kind of silly. You know, I think like when you can pronounce a name, when you know how to pronounce it, when you see it on the page, it just flows better. Hmm. I think. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And now with the internet, it's so easy to Google somebody saying the name. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I never even thought so to do I, that. Yeah. yeah. I think hmm. that it just helps. Yeah. So, um, so the book again takes place in South Africa, and he is um he's kind of living a life he and his he's now married and he and his wife are kind of pretending to be very wealthy people but they're actually in a little bit of a fiscal crisis Mm. 
and he is a furniture maker and he gets the opportunity to furnish a very wealthy person's entire home. Wow. Um, but he needs to find wood. So finding wood leads him into the forests of Africa, which is where most of the story takes place. Interesting. And to native, yeah, so there's very much native peoples involved in the book. And it reminded me a little bit of Ann Patchett's State of Wonder in that way, because that's an, a, a journey into a native world. Um, I really enjoyed it. Richard Mason, not only is he handsome, he's a fantastic writer, but he's also the type of writer where the writing's very dense. I mean, you really want to read every word of it. Mm-hmm. So it did take me a solid week to read it, and it's just a 300-page book. But um, So again, Who Killed Pete Burrell by Richard Mason. What an idea. What a, I mean, can you imagine having your whole house filled with handmade furniture, special order no, for you? I can't. Wow. I don't even know how I would start to think about something like yeah. that. Well, and part of it is, you know, wood, the harvesting of wood, right? Mm-hmm. Which can be, you know, everyone wants to find that beautiful teak or whatever the wood is, mahogany, you know, mm-hmm. but there's, it's at a cost. So that's what this book is really about. But no, I can't imagine having like a hewn bed. Is that what yeah. you call it? Hewing wood Hand or whatever? Hewn. Yeah. yeah and then transporting it. I mean, this was back in the day. This, I mean, still, it would be hard to transport. What are you currently reading, Emily? I am still <laughs> narrating for my poor sister. <laughs> the Tincture of Time, a memoir of medical uncertainty by Elizabeth Silver. So um, it's a it's a slow going process. Yeah. Now I know why books are twenty hours long. You know. Yeah. To read them. Yeah. yeah. And my poor sister, what I tend to do is read it at night. Mm-hmm. I get in bed and read it at night, so I'm like, oh, <laughs> sorry. <You> know? <laughs> Or the early morning, I read it to her for 20 minutes this morning, and I realized, like, oh, I probably should have gotten out of bed and had a drink or something. Yeah. I was like, arr, arr. It's a pirate, Emily. <laughs> so, anyway, hopefully I'll be talking about it um, next in the next um, episode. Cool. Well, I'm reading Emma by Jane Austen. Oh, fun. And it's my first time reading it. I'm reading it with the lens of it being a mystery, story. Um, I, I was in a mystery book group for a while, and one of the members, who's a big Jane Austen, a Janeite, as they call them, um, had mentioned that Emma could be read as a mystery. Mm-hmm. So that kind of stuck in my head. And I wanted, I've been reading at least one Jane Austen every year, and this year um, I wanted it to be Emma because of the mystery thing stuck mm-hmm. in my head. So I'm going to be writing a piece for um, Austin in August, which is hosted this year through Roofbeam Reader, a blog, if you want to check it out. Or you could just look for the hashtag Austin in August. But it's an August event where every year bloggers and readers come together to read Jane Austen. Read her novels, read biographies of her, read fan fiction, or whatever the right term is for that. (laughs) Um, Or, you know, nonfiction related to her. So it's a lot of fun. So you can check out Roofbeam Reader uh, in August. I love connecting with fans of authors and books that I love online. You know, sure. people, you don't know who they are, but you have yeah. these great conversations online with people about books. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. So we'll put that in the show notes also if, um, for folks who want to find it. Um, I'm reading A Man Called Oove, or Ove, Oove, <laughs> I think it's Oove. I saw the movie by Frederick Bachman. 
Um, I'm in a movie club at the Madison Cinema, and so you walk in, um, there's six movies in the fall and six movies in the spring. You walk in, and it's a surprise. You don't know what movie you're going to see. And one of them was A Man Called Ove last cool. year. And I was, at first, like, really disappointed because I have this thing about not seeing a movie. If there's a book I want to read, mm-hmm. I don't want to see the movie until I've read the book. But, yeah. you know, I wasn't going to walk away. And I loved the movie, and then I thought, oh, forget it. Just don't read the book. Yeah. And then someone handed me the book last week, and I was okay. like, okay, I'll read it. <laughs> and I read the first chapter and was just like, oh, this is going to be one of those where I just sit down in a day and read mm-hmm. it, I think. So that might cool. be one of the things I do this weekend. Um, and I've heard his other books are great as well. They all kind of have similar-looking covers if you mm-hmm. see them in the bookstore. Okay. Um, so I might go on a little Frederick Bachman read-a-thon here. Excellent. We'll see. More yeah. to come. Very cool. <laughs> I like that. You know, I use. I'm like that too. I prefer to read the book first. Yeah. Before I see the movie, it doesn't always work out. The and book's always better. I don't know. I don't agree. You don't agree. Yeah. Mm. I think. Well, I know. Maybe. Let me. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I like to picture the everything before I see the movie. So right. now, for example, I'm reading this book and I picture the man who played Uv as the character. Mm-hmm. And I don't like doing that right. so much. Yeah. But, and see, I still am so bad with names that I've seen the movie and I can't remember <laughs> how it's pronounced. Uv? 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 Oh. Oh, goodness gracious. I'm also reading one other book. Are you, did you have something you wanted to say or can I... Yeah, no, talk go about, ahead. I'll, okay. I'll tell, talk about it next. Okay. Um, I'm reading a book called Island, The Complete Stories by Alastair MacLeod. Hmm. And um, this was given to me by the gentleman caller that I'm seeing, <laughs> <laughs> which is like, oh, my God, if someone you're dating hands you their, one of their favorite books, it's like, oh, I'm excited and a little scared uh, to crack the binding <laughs> on this book. <laughs> so um, it's short stories, un believable writing wow. not the kind of writing I would ever I would never have picked this book up yeah ever but all of the stories so far anyway take place on Cape Britain is that how you say it in Nova Scotia oh, okay. which is a place I would love to go yeah. so it's a really beautiful you know kind of gaze into that lifestyle there and I guess I did a little reading about Alastair MacLeod and he's passed away now but he was a very well thought of author who won loads of prizes and taught at a college in Canada for like three decades. Mm -hmm. But every summer would go back to his family homestead on Cape Britain um, in a cottage there. And that's where he did most of his writing. So it's interesting that so far these stories are kind of a love letter to that area. So so I have it on my nightstand and it's like, you know, I read a story a week or so. So I'm a couple stories into it. Very cool. Nice. I know that name. I don't think okay. I've read anything by him, but yeah. he's written a couple novels that got very high praise when I was looking at them. So, but um, very lyrical writing, lots of description, which isn't really my thing. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. I'm like, what does this say about this man? Yeah, not the writer, the guy I'm dating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear. Let's be clear. I mean, it is fascinating. It's you know? totally you... fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Because he is, a, I mean, you think I'm a big reader. This guy reads, you know, and so it's right. like, okay, this is what you read. Good to know. Very cool. Yeah. How does he find his books? Is he a bookstore guy or a library guy? I have not asked him that question, Chris. Okay. I know, personal. 
Personal questions. We haven't gotten that deep yet. So far, he's just been pulling books off my shelf every time he comes and taking those, which he could do for quite some time if he wanted. So, and then he's bringing me a book every time he comes. I'm like, I don't know if I want you to do that. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I love it. Well, you know, it is interesting. Like, I don't. I just put some books in the mail the other day to friends, and like, I don't give a lot of books, Mm. and I don't get a lot of books either because I think most of the people. Well, in my family, for the well, I worked mm. in a bookstore for years, yeah. so they're like whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but I, you know, I don't know what that says about me that I love books so much, but I don't tend to give books a lot. Mm. I, and I don't know if it's just because for me it's so personal, and I've always had so many books that I want to read that when somebody gives me a book, yeah. I feel like, and I've even tried to resist them. Like there's this woman, uh, an associate in, in back in Illinois who just kept voicing this book on me. And I was like, no, that's fine. It's interesting. I'll, I put it in my notebook. I was like, I'll, I'll check it out. No, no, no. She insisted that I take the damn book. And it was just so <laughs> awkward. And then I had the book for years. And then we fell out of touch. And when we moved, I donated it to the library, right, you know? Right, yeah. Books, books are interesting. It's tricky. I mean, I much prefer getting a gift card to a bookstore. Yes, yeah. Yes. And, and lots of people, not lots, but when I do get gifts, lots of times mm-hmm. it is a gift card to a bookstore. And to me, that's like gold. Exactly. I mean, I love yeah. getting a gift card. But I also feel like it's pressure To buy books for people. Mm -hmm. I do buy books for people. I am a book giver, but I have to really think about it. And then I wonder and kind of worry because there's so many to choose from. Well, I should back up and say for the holidays, I love to give books as gifts. And that's what I do. That's Mm -hmm. like my thing, Mm -hmm. you know, but like I really spend time thinking about each person and looking for books that I think might be maybe not on their radar, but something they might be interested in. So I love that. But, like, as a regular ongoing thing throughout the year, I'm not one who... My reading tastes vary, and I know other people's reading tastes vary, and so giving a book just seems like an intrusion in some... I mean, it's a gift, and it's a lovely gesture, but it's also an intrusion. Well, I think it depends on whether you give, like, here, this was my favorite book, I think you'll like it, versus let me think about what this person likes to read Mm -hmm. and see if I can come up with something. I mean, that's what I'm thinking about, you know... This Alastair McLeod, because Mm -hmm. this gentleman's birthday is coming up. And so I'm like, how do I find a book, possibly find a book to give him? And I thought, I don't think I will give him a book. I think it's a little too early in the relationship to do that. I'll give him a shirt. No, I'm just kidding. You know, I mean, it's like, it's hard. It is. I mean, I think it's, there's a lot of weight to me about it. And I think some people don't feel that way about book giving at all. I know. know? Yeah. Some people are just, yeah, Yeah. they just toss them off or whatever. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. It is. The psychology of book giving. That's right. We should do a whole episode about it. (laughs) Do a call-in show. (laughs) That would be fun to do the, figure out the technology for that, right? Yeah. It would be really fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, the other book I'm reading, and I just picked it up at the bookstore the other day, Breakwater Books here in town. It is a falcon guide. They do a lot of um, different types of like outdoorsy guides. And this is sea kayaking and stand-up paddling. Connecticut, Rhode Island, and the Long Island Sound, and it's by David Fasulo. It's a really nice book. It has it goes up the coast, and it gives you different routes in each town, kind of going up. It gives you a little bit of a, a background on it, what to look for, um, which the with the launch site, gives you some pictures, and then a nice little map of the coastline. 
I love it. Yeah, and, and I was intrigued that it's kayaking and stand-up paddling. I think that's really exciting. Yeah, so this is, you know, it's it's coastal kayaking. It's it's not, you know, open water sea right. kayaking, um, which is an, a new thing for me in general because I've been more of a, a river canoeist mm-hmm. is my background. Um, which is totally different. It's totally different, and I love rivers, and I've... I've what I canoed the New River in North Carolina, the Niobrara in Nebraska, and it's been annoying me, but I can't remember this one river in northern Wisconsin that I canoed mm. on a long weekend. Mm. Um, so, and that is such a different experience, but I yeah. love rivers. So, I know we're going to be exploring the Connecticut River, and I, I recently picked up some books about the Connecticut River and kayaking that. Um, nice. But I also want to start exploring the sound. A bit more with our kayak. Oh, I should back up and say, like, when we first got moved here, we got a new canoe, which we loved, and we took it to a lot of lakes in the area, and we lived near uh, some lakes. But then the second year, we decided to get kayaks, because there's a place called, what is it called? Ocean State Job Lodge yeah. or something, yeah. which I didn't know what it was for the longest time, but it's kind of like this discount store. Yeah. And one of the guys I worked with mentioned that they have these, you know, inexpensive kayaks. And he's like, just go get one of those and see if you like it. So we did. We got two really inexpensive kayaks and we loved it. We love that we can kayak next to each other or go off exploring on our own, but still, you know, be out kayaking together. Whereas with the canoe, it's such a different experience. You're in it together. And, you know, if it's a little windy, you can't really have a conversation yeah. Because you can't, I, I certainly can't hear. So yeah. I love kayaking. And um, so it's it's been fun to explore different lakes with the kayak and yeah. then now rivers and the, eventually the sound. We need to get in it together. Absolutely. I can't believe we haven't done that. And, I know. and then something we could do with Laura also. That would be Absolutely. really fun. Pack a picnic and mm-hmm. just totally. go for it. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, there's just endless places to kayak here i'm really excited about this book i think i'm gonna have to go get myself a copy yeah i have one that that is a day paddling of the long island sound and Mm -hmm. i'll get it down we can compare them but i love that this one has a focus on stand-up paddleboarding too because Mm -hmm. it's different you can't stand up paddleboard everything that you can kayak so i'm curious to see how they have that separated out very Very cool so nice pictures too yeah i posted on facebook i said i promise to actually paddle some of these routes and not just look at the pretty pictures right. <laughs> in my air conditioned <laughs> office. Yeah, we've been, we've been kayaking so much. I mean, the lake where we are, we they have a slot yeah. um, where they they do a lottery and we always get in. Mm-hmm. So we keep our kayaks down there and we just walk down and hop in and yeah. do a little lunchtime break or an evening. Yeah. It makes a difference. Evening. I mean, I have to say I love these books and it's, you know, there's so much to paddle, but mm-hmm. It is when you make it convenient for yourself, which is what I have also, because my paddleboard is just right down on the water, yeah. that you kind of have less enthusiasm for putting it in the car and going somewhere, yeah. you know. But it's worth it. I mean, I think right. it's worth it to make a plan. But then the other thing that happens is you make a plan for a Sunday or something, and then you wake up in the morning and it's raining, it, right. you know. Exactly. So yeah. I'm also constantly judging what's going on with the water, and then I'll swing out because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, the water's perfect. Right. i got to get out there. Exactly. You know? Right, yeah. and that's that's one of the best things about being self-employed, especially yeah. in the summertime, because, you know, I'll be working this weekend, I'm working at night yeah. nowadays, because it's just such lovely, it's just so lovely to get out there yeah. and I'm be in the, the water, same thing. Yeah. yeah, and take a dip, because yeah. that's what we've been doing, is kayaking, hopping out, swimming a bit, just... Cooling off, yeah. 
Biblio Adventures. Yes. What have you been up to? I went to Long Beach Island, where Aunt Ellen has a summer home, and my cousin Molly from Portland was visiting with her son Auden, and so we had a little, um, I too have been working the weekends a lot, so I took a few days in the middle of the week last week to go visit them, and um, I got to the island a little bit before them, because I left at 6 in the morning to beat traffic in Connecticut, and I stopped at this cute little bookstore called Bookworm Bookstore. Oh, adorable. It's so cute. I posted a picture of it, I think, on mm-hmm. Facebook, and I'll put it in um, maybe in the show notes or on our Literary Adventures page. It's in a little strip mall. You could completely miss it if you don't know it's there. But it has been there for like 20 years. So it's known, obviously, to the people who live on the island. Mm -hmm. And when I first walked in, it's tiny. I mean, it's probably the size of my house. And um, there were books piled up on the floor, which to me is usually a sign of a used bookstore, Mm -hmm. you know. All new. Wow. Because the first question I asked is, you know, do you have used and new? And she said, oh, no, it's just all new. Hardcovers are 10% off. Mm -hmm. Fantastic selection. And um, I didn't really have a lot of time, but um, I was looking for a Wendell Berry book because I have an opportunity to maybe do some work, which I'll talk about on a future episode, with um, Wendell Berry's works and readings, and um, or writings, I should say. And sure enough, she pulls out three copies of Wendell Berry, which was kind of surprising to me because I think of him as more of a Midwest person author but anyway so I got myself a Wendell Berry book and um I also thought the other kind of preconceived notion I thought is oh it's just going to be a store filled with beach reads you know whatever that means to people which I'm now learning is very different for different people but you know I thought it would just be like books that take place on the beach you know love stories things Mm -hmm. like that no they had you know all the new bestsellers they had a great mystery section they had great cookbooks they also had some local authors with cute little kids' books about fish and the sea and mm-hmm. a local author that wrote just about Long Beach Island and history of Long Beach Island, nice. and including shark attacks, which I thought was, you know, I don't know that I'd carry that book, but... <laughs> um, so, so anyway, I really enjoyed it. Bookworm Bookstore. And then the other store I went to with my family was called LBI Book Swap which was on the other end of the island, and it was in kind of what I would consider kind of like the touristy, kind of the evening spot where people go to get their Mm -hmm. ice cream and shop and go on some amusement rides and things like that. And it was three stories. Um, When you walk in the front door, it was all their new, newly published things, including a really nice YA section. Mm -hmm. And then downstairs was, was a kid's section, and then upstairs on the third floor was all used books and it was piles of a lot of popular fiction Mm -hmm. you know and multiple copies of them and so you really did kind of get the feel of it being a book swap as the title of the store implies you know and they had a little um classic section as well with some nice titles in it so it was pretty cool and I think if I lived there and was you know there for the summer I could certainly see using it almost as a library Mm -hmm. you know and they had a deal with, I think, if you brought in five used books, you got 25% off or something like that. So That's great. Yeah. yeah. So it was cool. Very cool. Yeah. So that was nice. And then I was supposed to go to two bookstores when I went to Quag, which I just got back from last night, and that was a bust. One of them yeah. had closed after 20 years, oh, which I would have liked to have gotten the story on. My uncle told me they used to get really great authors and things like that. 
And I said to him, sometimes, you know, people are just ready to sell and they can't find someone to buy it from them. So I never got the story on that. And then the other one, I just ran out of time and traffic was a lot worse than I thought it was going to be there. And so I, I think if I had tried to make the... Detour to get to the bookstore, I would have missed my ferry. So Quag hard, was a bit of a choice. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I love visiting new bookstores. <laughs> Me Even too. if you only have five minutes, mm-hmm. you know, to yeah. dash in and check it out. I just yeah. think it's so much fun to see how they organize their books and just the vibe of the place. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, like when you think of island culture, too, it's like it's nice to know mm. Even though I'm on this island, there's a place I can go oh, right. and buy a book, you Absolutely. know. That would make me feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was fun. Cool. And, and then I also went to Bill Rohrbach uh, to see Bill Rohrbach at RJ Julia. He is a Booktopian author. I met him up in Petoskey, Michigan. He told a very funny story about a summer that he lived in Madison. Really? Yeah. And it, it yeah. was not a good experience for him. So, I mean, he was like dating this woman who was at the Yale Conservatory of Music and he didn't have a car. So he was in this remote cabin somewhere near the water and she would get up and go to school all day, all summer. And he was kind of like turning into a little hermit and all of his friends were getting concerned and worried about him. And eventually at the end of the summer, one of his friends picked him up and said, we have a gig up in Martha's Vineyard. I guess he plays keyboards or something. We're picking you up. We're taking you <laughs> and picking you up. And he didn't even say anything to his girlfriend. He just left. <laughs> and then he said eventually he called her and she already had a new boyfriend like a week oh, later. Geez. So he said, I think maybe she even already had that boyfriend. When, you know. So it, was, so, he, and so it was very funny. And then as he's talking, there's also like in the audience, you know, all these people that he knew because he also grew up somewhere in Connecticut, I mm. think maybe more in the center of, of Connecticut. So he's a very funny man. And um, this book is a set of short stories. And he read, completely read one of the stories that had a lot of humor in it. So mm-hmm. it was fun to listen to him read it. And um, Well, that picture yeah. you posted of him, he looks like a very happy fellow. Yes, yeah. he's hilarious. And he lives in Maine. And on Facebook, he posts nature photos every day so he's very in touch with nature and and fun to listen to in that way so so anyway it was a funny evening because he said I feel kind of weird like it feels weird to be driving but this is the first time I've driven back into Madison (laughs) since that fateful summer which I think was like you know 40 years ago or something so so anyway and it's I think it's called um lake stories or something like that the girl of the lake yeah the girl of the lake stories that's what it is Yeah. yeah yeah so Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I went and saw Chris Colfer. If that name rings a bell for you, um, it, it he was uh, he got his start in the TV show Glee. He played Kurt. Kurt is that his name? I don't know. I, I'm all of a sudden thinking like, I was oh, my Kurt thinking... was the one from Gilmore Girls. Yeah. No, something. I think Kirk. Okay. Kurt. No, he plays Kurt. Well, we'll have to look that up. Anyway. I know, it was Kirk was Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Kirk was Gilmore Don't Girl. ask me, I'm the name Kirk. You know, Kurt is Glee, yeah. yeah. So he, um, he became very famous um, from his role in Glee, um, but he's also a children's book author. He has a series called The Land of Stories, and the sixth book and the final book in that series just came out, so he's on tour actually right now. And he was at a school in Clinton, and the event was hosted through RJ Julia. They were selling the books, and um, it was the auditorium was packed. It was full of kids and parents and teenagers, too. Um, 
I think this book, this series, uh, appeals to Harry Potter fans. Mm. And, uh, I mean, Chris Colfer, he was so good with all the kids. He just really was so charming and delightful and even good with the parents. Um, but one of the things he said, somebody asked him, um, why did he become a writer? Why? And he's been writing his whole life. And, and actually, the basis of uh, the land of stories, a lot of those characters are characters he created when he was a kid, oh, writing stories. Um, but he said that he, when he'd finished the Harry Potter series, um, and he was so emotionally scarred that the only way to get through it was to write and emotionally scar others. <laughs> Which is so funny. <laughs> That's um, great. And I guess like one of the characters, he's like, you know, we've all had people who've been mean to us or whatever. And, you know, wouldn't you just like to put their soul in a jar and put it on your mantle? You know, and the woman sitting next to me turned to me when he said that. She's like, I wish he was my neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was really neat. Um, the, the, the fans that were there were incredible too. Uh, a, a lot of adult fans, not just kid fans. Uh, this one woman had a t-shirt that said, Hogwarts wasn't hiring, so I teach muggles. Which I thought, oh, that is so good. Her <laughs> students have loved that t-shirt. But it was a really wonderful event. The bookseller who introduced him got choked up oh, introducing wow. him. Because, I mean, his character on Glee was so, so inspiring. And so, I, I can't think of the right word, but just... He was such a touchstone of hope mm. for gay kids. Mm. And gay adults, too. Um, but just what 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 it's like to be in high school to be the the out gay kid mm. or the kid who's you know can't hide being gay and just what you go through with that and um, so his his character just touched so many people deeply and it sounds like his book series is much like uh, J.K. Rowling's is a really a beacon of hope for kids and people who are different. So I'm I'm looking forward to reading it. We bought the first book and then the last book because you had to buy the last book to get the ticket to get in. Okay. And then to have another person come, you had to buy a, a second book. So we bought the first one because nice. I'm I'm interested in reading yeah. it. Um, but it was really cool. He did. Uh, he started the event doing a trivia contest where he would throw out some questions. And if you answered the question correctly, you got a hat, oh, how fun. which was kind of fun. And they did a neat job of, I think they alternated it, girl, boy, girl, boy. Nice. And then people got to ask him a question. Hmm. He's like, because sometimes, believe it or not, I'll get a question wrong that somebody asks me. He's like, one time I thought it was so right. And then later that night when I was like flipping through my iPad, he's like, oh, I realized I was <laughs> You know, so um, so they did this trivia contest and then uh, a costume contest. So a lot of people came in costumes. How fun! And so he had all of them up on stage. Everybody who came in a costume, and he he kind of chose the ones that he wanted to kind of be the finalists. And it was really adorable when he was you know choosing who he's like oh he's like he said to one kid, "Have you seen Sophie's Choice? This is so hard." No, but right. all the parents, like, all the okay. parents laughed. Yeah. Um, and then the finalists were chosen by audience applause, which oh, was really oh, cute. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And the girl who won was a little tiny girl who was dressed as the third piglet. Oh. So really great costume. And what did they win? They won a big bag of books. Oh wow. Yeah, like really big. And he, when he handed to her, he's like, "Can you carry that? Like, <laughs> I think it weighs more than you do, you know." So, um, but she carried that. And then they did a Q and A, which was really fun. Um, and people, all of the kids asked him questions about the characters. You know, 
And then the adults, of course, got up and asked the typical, how did you become a writer? What advice do you give to young people to become a writer? And it's just like, yawn. Do you write in the morning or the evening? Yes. What is your process? Yeah. And and actually, that was uh, somebody, one of the adults asked what his process was. And he's like, I don't really have a process. It's really a cry for help. Hilarious. Oh my god, he was so hilarious. And what he said is that he, you know, he has this office in his house. He's like, it's really fancy, and I have all these awards hanging. He's like, and I absolutely cannot write in that room. Mm-hmm. So he writes in a in the guest bedroom between in a desk that's between two twin beds. He's like, one has Star Wars sheets, the other has like Super Mario <laughs> sheets. He's like, my cat's on one bed, my dog's on the other bed. He's like, and I sit there and I write. Wow, interesting. So, yeah. Hmm. And, you know, you hear writers talk about that. They have yeah. a fancy There's, office, yeah. but they write at the kitchen table. Um, so, yeah, he was just such a delight. And one of the announcements that he made was that the first book in the series, um, The Wishing Spell, he just signed a movie deal wow. for that. So that will be coming out. He's going to be writing the screenplay and directing it. Wow. So that's going to be pretty cool. That's exciting. Yeah. I mean, what a great thing for his career. Yeah. And I wrote a funny note here. Um one of the parents behind us, her kid was really being like, like, oh my God, I'm going to see Chris Colfer. And the mom actually said, take a deep yoga breath and everything will be fine. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> that was just That's hilarious. classic. Yes. Yeah. And then I'll end with one more thing. He said, somebody asked him what his favorite story or his favorite um, fairy tale was. Because these, his stories are very fairy, fairy tale-esque. Okay. And he's like, you know, he's like, I think Sleeping Beauty is my favorite because, you know, you get pricked on your finger and then later you wake up, you wake up and your life is solved. He's like, I'll take that. (laughs) You know, so that's great. Yeah. So he was just, he was just even more charming and delightful than I anticipated him being. Yeah. So a lot of fun. So I wonder if the books, are they more, are they for young kids, but that the teenagers have to do with, like, they've grown up with the, since now he's in the sixth Mm -hmm. part of, sixth book in the series, or do you think it is more for teenagers? Oh, I think it's more for middle schoolers, I think, I think, but I think that you're exactly right. I think kids have grown with it. Or, you know, people who really like Harry Potter and are looking for that type of world, it sounds like this would appeal to them. Very fun. And he has such tremendously loyal followers online. It's really great to see them talking about him and tweeting and Facebooking and Instagramming and the whole whole nine yards. I'm so glad. It sounds like it was fun. Yeah, it was really a a wonderful experience. Kids events can be tough, so I wasn't really sure. But I thought, wow, he just, he appealed to everybody. I think from the little kids, everybody sat there riveted the whole time. And it was in a big school auditorium. Mm. So he, he held everybody's attention well. Good. Yeah. Cool. Oh, what else did I do? Oh, I went to the Mark Twain house. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Laura's cousin Alicia was in town and we went to the Mark Twain house. And, you know, every time I've gone on a tour there, I learn something new because they don't really have a standard tour that each guide does. They're allowed to present things slanted towards their own interests so Mm -hmm. you know i I wonder if they have like certain things they're supposed to hit maybe or something um but one of the things i learned is the the mantle over the chimney in the library of mark twain's house had been taken out once upon a time and Mm. all they had was a picture of it and they had a picture propped up on the the newer mantle 
And one time a guy was coming through on a tour and he looked at the picture. He's like, oh, he's like, that looks just like the mantle that's in my barn. Oh, my gosh. All right. Come to find out that was Mark Twain's mantle. It had been taken out of that house and put in another house. I'm not sure if it was in Connecticut or New York. And sure enough, it ended up in this guy's barn somehow. So he gave it to the Mark Twain house. They restored it, and boom, wow. it's up there. So that's crazy, isn't that? Yeah, it's huh. really. But it's it's a great place if you're just coming through Hartford or you live in the area. Do go. It's amazing. It's a great tour. Yeah, yeah. it really is. So much fun. Cool. Such a beautiful space. And that second bedroom, the guest bedroom that's off of that library. I think when you and I went, it was still closed. Mm-hmm. They were redoing. Yeah. That's open now. Oh, nice. Gorgeous. Oh, it lovely. is a gorgeous room. It's the bedroom. There's a like a little dressing room and then the bathroom. They did such a good job with it. Nice. And you're yeah. a member, right? So you yeah. go frequently. Yeah. 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 yeah I, nice. I'd love to go there. Yeah. We're, we're heading out as soon as we finish um, the recording here. We're heading out to a big joint jaunt. Yes, we're going to the Pequot Library down in Southport for their annual book sale, which is supposedly the biggest in New England. Yes. The biggest book sale in New England. So if we don't ever air this episode, it's because we never made it out. <laughs> we're still wandering. Or we, you know, I don't know, it's really hot today too. It's I know it is hot. 90s. We'll see so how we do. Yeah. We're going to be there at the hottest time of the day. Not good planning. We'll see how this goes. Oh gosh, and it's Friday. It might take us days to get there right. with all the traffic going up 95. But you know what? We're determined. That's right. Yeah. This is what we do for you guys. <laughs> Joint jaunts. <laughs> Joint jaunts. So we'll see. I'm going to try to really control myself. As I've said, yeah. I have a lot of books. So Yeah, I'm looking for one or two in particular. And then I'm always open to like Connecticut history type books. But yeah. I'm not like I really just need to. I It's not that I need to chill and just stop buying books. Like I want to read what I have. Right. And that's a distinction. Right. right. <laughs> Both things are true. But like really, I, I want to read what I have. Yeah. So. Yeah. And there's, you know, I have a short stack next to my reading chair and I've just like reshuffled like my short stack again because I'm going to be reading Shirley's memoir next. Mm -hmm. And and then another joint. Well, I don't know if it's going to be a joint, John. I don't. um, But next Saturday up at the book club bookstore, I'm going to an event um, to see Benjamin Thomas, who wrote Jack Be Quick, which is a thriller. So I'll be reading Shirley's book and that book. Grapes of Wrath. Grapes of Wrath. Yeah, a lot of good reading coming yeah. up. Let's go buy books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then on August 3rd, I'm going to go to Infinity Hall in Norfolk, Connecticut, to see a Speak Up event with Matthew Dix. Cool. He's got, I think, six or eight um, different people coming to do some storytelling. And I am taking um, my gentleman the man, friend. The gentleman caller. <laughs> it's his, this is his birthday gift, actually. Oh, I decided great. to do that instead okay. of a book. So, really cool. Yeah, and I love seeing Matthew Dix and Alicia, his wife, and this is their um, company that they started. He's a, a moth um, storyteller, and spe- the Speak Up event is essentially a similar thing, except mm-hmm. it's not a competition. Yeah. 
So cool. Yeah. Oh, great. And if you can, if you get up there early, go to the library, stop in and see it. It's a gorgeous library. I would there. like to do that because I Jacob and I did this. He did a speak up event at the same place last mm-hmm. year, and we got to the there ten after five, and oh. the library had closed at five. So I was peering in all the windows. Yeah, yeah it's right around the corner mm-hmm. from Infinity Hall. Cool. I will do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, on that night that you're going, August third, I'll be going to the. Institute Library in New Haven for the launch event for the book New Haven Noir. Um, that was the collection of noir mystery stories edited by Amy Bloom right. that I talked about a couple episodes ago. So I'm looking forward to that. I know I think Amy Bloom is there. She well, yeah, she'll be there. I'm not sure other what other contributors will be there, but and, we'll report and I, back. Yeah, and I think she's going to do an event for that at RJ's too yes, that I might want to yeah. catch because I was hoping to go to that with you. I didn't realize it was the same date as my speak up tickets. So. Yeah, I think if you go to Akashic's website, they have all the tour dates. Okay, so you could see. Okay, they are doing more than those two. They have others okay. in the area. Cool, because I love Amy Bloom also. <laughs> So what are we talking about next? What we're reading? Upcoming, Upcoming reads. reads. I only have one because I'm currently reading so many. Yeah. <laughs> it's Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I already mentioned one. I'll be doing sh- reading Shirley's memoir, mm-hmm. The Going and the Goodbye, mm-hmm. and then Jack Be Quick, mm-hmm. and then Grapes of Wrath. Wow. A lot of reading. Yes. And I realize we have a very overdue thank you that I would like to say at the end of this episode, which um, your Mark Twain visit reminded me of. We have a friend, Julia, that we took to Booktopia, Vermont, and we went to the Emily Dickinson Museum on the way back. Yeah. And as a thank you for that whole weekend, because Chris and I, Chris did all the driving and we kind of had things organized for her. She made a donation in the book cougar's name to the Emily Dickinson House yeah. Museum. I don't think we ever thanked her. I don't think we, not publicly. Yeah, anyway, not publicly. Yes, yeah. thank you, Julie. That was yeah. such a lovely gift. And I had a little home. giggle as someone who works in philanthropy, like the person, the development person or the volunteer who records donations, like, book cougars? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> So I love that you donated it in our name, Julia. Thank yeah. you so much. It's Thank so fun. You. And um, and it's just a reminder, too. Like, if you want to, you know, give a donation in someone's name, it's kind of a fun way to say thank you to someone who you don't know what to buy mm-hmm. for them or, you know, something like yeah. that and do good at the same time. All right. All right, well, everybody. Happy well, reading. Happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to The Book Cougars with Emily Fine and Chris Wallach. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to email us at bookcougars at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Book Cougars. Please consider leaving us a review on whatever app you use to listen to us. It can help other listeners find us. Thank you. Right.